0: Living a healthy, balanced life is no small feat, especially when you're a mom. With meals to cook, laundry to load, work to do, and humans to raise, it can be easy to feel like we're in an on-again, off-again relationship with healthy living. But it doesn't have to feel this way. I believe living a healthy life has become way too complicated. What we need isn't a new plan or program telling us what to eat or how to live. We need simple, uncomplicated routines and information that's going to help us live our best, most beautiful life without rules and restrictions. Join me, Kristen Dofniak, holistic health coach, certified intuitive eating counselor, and mama of two for weekly conversations on what it means to live a healthy, balanced life, uncomplicate eating, and simplify in every area of mom life.
1: I think it's really important that we set a good example for our children that our care is important, too. And that moving our bodies is important. Taking a few minutes to meditate, like we can use these as opportunities to teach our children about the importance of self-care and like emotion regulation and introspection and that we don't have to feel like us doing that for ourselves is somehow taking away from our children. It might actually Mm. be adding value to their lives by not only modeling this, but a well-cared for mom makes for a well-cared for
0: child. Hey friends, welcome back to the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. I'm Chris Stavniak, your host, and today's episode is one that I am so excited to release to all of you because I know it is going to be so incredibly helpful and really tie together a piece of advice that has been given by countless podcast guests. We talk a lot here on the podcast about, well, finding balance, and a part of that is learning how to manage our stress as moms. We know that stress affects us in so many ways, from the way that we react to our kiddos, to our management of anxiety, to our overall health and wellness. We talk about stress a lot when it comes to hormone balance and gut health, and these are all topics we talk about a lot on the podcast. And one of the most common pieces of advice from the experts on the podcast is to meditate. To get into a meditation practice to calm your mind, to center your mind. And I know this is something that I personally resisted for a really long time, like I share about in today's episode, because I thought first, I don't have the time to meditate because I thought that I needed at least 20 minutes to meditate. And the second thing was that I'm not the type of person who can meditate. My mind is constantly going, I'm constantly thinking. You know how much I talk? Well, I think about twice as much as that. So I just thought that meditation wasn't for me. But I've struggled with anxiety for most of my life and I have tried pretty much everything to manage it. And meditation is one of those things that I finally gave into after trying several different styles of meditation. I fell on guided meditation and doing guided meditations has changed my anxiety and my stress levels and my morning routine over the last year. And funny enough, the person that I turned to more than any other guided meditations is Kelly Smith. And when she reached out to me and we connected, I told her how much I loved her podcast and her meditations. And I was so excited when she said she wanted to come on and share how just 10 minutes a day is all you need to get the benefits of meditation. I was like, okay, 10 minutes, that is exactly how long I meditate Pretty much every day, and 10 minutes is something that is actually doable for moms. And so I was so excited to have her on and have her share her journey to becoming a meditation teacher, the benefits of meditation for moms, and exactly how we can get into a meditation practice in as little as eight minutes a day. So, for those of you who don't yet know Kelly Smith, Kelly Smith is a globally celebrated yoga and meditation teacher, founder of Yoga for You, and host. Of the iTunes chart topping podcasts Mindful Minutes, and Meditation Mama. Kelly believes that there is not a one size fits all approach to yoga and meditation and encourages her students to find their own personal practice, listen to their bodies, and find inner joy by accessing their most authentic selves and owning their power. Kelly specializes in the non physical limbs of yoga and is best known for her master trainings in meditation, restorative yoga, and yoga nidra and her international retreats. In this episode, we dive in right away by talking about how how meditation is something that anyone can do. It does not have to be a religious or spiritual practice in any way. And so I just want to dive into this conversation, really encouraging you to go in with an open mind and maybe explore how meditation might be something that can help you in your mom life. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Kelly. Welcome, Kelly. I am so excited to have you on the Healthy Balanced Mama podcast. Hello, I'm so excited to be here and to be chatting with you. Oh my gosh, this is a topic I was chatting with you before we officially started recording. That I think so many, no, I know so many mamas need because the topic of meditation and fitting in meditation to your life in some way, shape, or form has come up from with so many other guests, you know, as a way to reduce stress, the importance of reducing stress for overall health, for hormone balance, just general mom life. And I hear from so many moms, they're like, all I hear is meditation, but I have no time to meditate. So you're going to share with us today exactly how we can make that time and why it's important. Um, so I'm so excited to dive in. But before we officially jump into today's topic, I love to start with a little icebreaker. So what are you reading these days?
1: Um, So I'm reading a couple of things, and this may not... um. I'm reading something that's a little woo-woo right now, and I do love the good woo-woo. Um, so, A psychic recommended it to me, and it is a book called Ascension Magic, and it talks about all of these, like, really interesting, like, woo-woo things, like the angel realm and um, the, the fairy energy, and it's not necessarily, like, what's always in my... Um, reading list Mm -hmm. but this one woman in particular natalie fowler who's wonderful she just felt like i needed to read it and i love her book recommendations so that is what i'm currently reading
0: at night to put myself to sleep (laughs) that's so cool and different i love that we definitely haven't had someone talk about um a book on ascension magic is that what you said it's called ascension magic before yeah it's called ascension (laughs) it's called ascension magic and I'm, i'm only a little bit into it
1: um But it's very interesting, and I—and we can talk about this later, too. Um, The only reason I hesitate to share that one particular book is because I feel like a common misconception is, like, meditation is, like, can be a religious practice or can be, like, Mm -hmm. against someone's religion. um, Or that it can be, like, really into the woo-woo and, you know, sometimes using terms like magic and things like that can make people feel uncomfortable. So it's the only reason why I hesitate, but I also— you know, I like to be honest, but, yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I like to separate those two things as to like what I'm currently finding just really interesting and making me think in a different way and like the work that I do sometimes.
0: Yeah, no, I think that we can find things that are interesting to us. And just because they're interesting, we want to learn more about it doesn't even mean that we need to apply it to our life. Or maybe we do, maybe we don't. It's just sort of, you know, what we find interesting and fascinating. I'm constantly researching and looking at different topics just because I find them fascinating. So I love that. And I I love that you gave that sort of, um, I don't want to call it a disclaimer, but that explanation like right off the bat that meditation can be for everyone. It doesn't have to be a religious or a spiritual practice. It really is about just really calming our minds, right? I mean, I'll have you explain it because you're the expert, <laughs> but really <sighs> silencing all those voices and yeah, it doesn't have to be, it can be, but it doesn't have to be a spiritual yeah. practice in that way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And this is something that I just, I personally love to speak on because I hear this a lot i hear this concern a lot of people you know worrying about is meditation a religious practice or something that's against my religion or you know does it have the potential to be a spiritual practice that i'm not comfortable with and you know you do not need to read ascension magic in order to meditate but i so i just love to clarify that that meditation in and of itself is just single pointed concentration so what that means is we're trying to take our minds from like a light bulb we're walking around all day energy is going in all different directions and when we meditate we're trying to turn that light bulb into a laser pointer. So we're trying to take everything and focus it on one thing. And what you choose as your point of concentration is up to you. It could be your breath. It could be a mantra or affirmation. It could be a feeling of loving kindness. It could be time that you want to spend as a devotional practice. But to meditate is just a verb. And it just means single pointed concentration. So you get to choose what that point of concentration is. And although the practice itself comes from originally from cultures that are deeply rooted in specific religious practices, to meditate itself is not a religious practice. And you get to choose what your point of concentration
0: is. Mm, I love that. I've never heard the actual definition of it being a pointed consciousness, and that makes so much sense because I think that has been my well, my biggest struggle with meditation, other than finding the time, which we'll talk about, um, has is that I feel like my mind is constantly going and it feels almost like, and we'll probably get into this because I want to hear your story of how you got into this, but it, it oftentimes does feel like it's almost like I'm forcing my brain to shut down and I just oftentimes can't do that. So I have found guided meditations or like mantra-based meditations. Those have been way more helpful for me personally, or even like moving meditations where I'm walking and I'm meditating. Um, Actually, there was one one of yours that I did walking, like consistently all last summer. The walking, yes, (laughs) the the guided walking meditation. Yes, yeah, because it was beautiful out and it was a way to kind of really, I guess, he called it pointed consciousness, right? To yeah, really single, just- yeah, yeah, single, single point of concentration. Yeah. Of concentration. I said consciousness. Yeah. Concentration. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I, <laughs> concentration. So oh. to, I guess- take my mind away from the busyness of the day. And I used to take a lunch break. Um, hopefully I can do that again this summer, but it's winter and I'm in New England. So we're not going for very many walks. I'm not, I'm a fair weather walker. <laughs> oh, I live in Minnesota. So I feel you. We're <laughs> yes, not, we're yeah. not going outside right now. <laughs> yeah. No, no, definitely not. It's like 20 degrees today. So anyway, yeah, I, I have found that just, yeah, the idea of pointed concentration There we go. Makes sense to me a lot more than when I used to hear meditation. I used to hear, I used to think, okay, I've just got to silence my brain. And that almost felt like something I had to force and it felt even more stressful. And then I would avoid it. But the idea of going, okay, I'm going to. Concentrate my brain on something, and then, and I can choose whatever that is, whether it is something that is spiritual or something that is a you know a guided meditation on you know, one thing or another. Um, maybe it's gratitude, something like that, or mantra based, or just focusing on your breath. So I love that. I love that we kind of dove in here, even though this wasn't at all where I planned on starting. <laughs> I think that's a, that was a really important distinction to start with. So I appreciate that. Yeah. So to really kind of officially jump in. (laughs) Now that that we've gotten gotten that off
1: And I, you know, I appreciate you letting me share that first because I, one of my like biggest missions in life is to, I guess like demystify meditation in a way of like, it's not, you know, this big scary or intimidating or, um, you know, it's not, it's not as hard or as scary or, um, I guess, like polarizing in a way as we may think. And I always like to start with that because I like to just open the door and I think of like this little Mindful Minutes community. It's like, everyone's welcome, just like, come on in. You know, I I want to help you with your, whatever it is, your anxiety, your stress, your self-love, whatever you need, like the door is open, come on in. And so I always kind of like to start with that little disclaimer. So it's like, you know, just- moms, just come on in. Just take what you need. Leave what you don't. We're happy to have you here.
0: Yes. Oh, I love it. Okay. Well, then let's dive in. And how did you get into the yoga world, the meditation world? Where? How did you get started? And, you know, kind of how did you come to where you are today? Yeah. So I started with
1: yoga when I was a teenager and I was an athlete. I've been an athlete through college and I was using it as cross training for my sport. So I'm A self proclaimed reformed Shavasana skipper. So, what that means is, I used to be that person that at the end of the yoga class, when I felt like we weren't, quote, like burning calories or doing anything, I would roll up my mat when it was Shavasana time and walk out the door. So, that um, is where I started. And it's been quite a journey to get to the point where I just teach meditation and things like Yoga Nidra, which can be like a 45 minute Shavasana in essence and restorative yoga. But I first was introduced to yoga as cross-training and to get, quote, like a good stretch. And I was really focused on the physical of yoga. And it wasn't until a little bit later in my teenage years, um, when my mom was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer and I was her primary caregiver at that time, we started exploring some of these softer sides of yoga, some of these, um, you know, less physical sides of yoga, doing meditation, doing restorative yoga. And that's when I was really first introduced into, you know, I guess just like the softer sides the less physical limbs and although I didn't really do a whole lot with it at that time I still my practice was still very physical my eyes are really open to some of this you know really just sweetness that can come with the softer sides of yoga and I you know just continued to kind of do my thing went to college was doing yoga um and I was always falling back on yoga during the times that I felt like I really needed it. So whether it was a time that my mom was in her treatment and, you know, she's now in remission now. So we're very, very fortunate, and very excited about that. Um, or if it was, you know, struggling with just who I was and what I wanted in my college years, like yoga was always there for me. So when I graduated and I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, as many do, I decided to take a 200-hour teacher training. And I did that this summer after graduation. And once again, my eyes are really opened to just this full, you know, what yoga really is, which is there's eight different limbs to yoga. One of them is asanas, as a physical poses. Another one is meditation. Mm-hmm. And I kind of taught yoga on the side and pursued a career in uh, management. And then I moved for love. And when I moved for love for my now husband, when he went to medical school, I had to leave my job. I had to leave everything. We moved to a rural part of the Midwest. And it was during that time that I decided I was going to, I guess, really let go of the fear and try to teach yoga full time. And one thing led to another. And I ended up opening a yoga studio in this space. And um, once again, I, I had a lot of students and clients where they didn't really care for the physical they were there to learn how to tie their shoes on their own right get gain some mobility to manage their stress their blood pressure and i believe as a teacher it's my job to meet my students where they're at so i went and got some more training in primarily some of the softer sides of yoga and meditation so i could bring that back to my students and i saw there was such a a hunger and a need for it that i just have kind of i don't know just done it from there and just I know that's not necessarily the best answer, but it's always hard for me to answer that question because how do you really get from point A to point B? Like, no one's story is really linear. And I've always just kind of tried to lead with my heart and to meet my students where they're at. And I've always seen this hunger for uh, connecting with something deeper and slowing down. And for me, meditation is one of the best ways to do that. And so I've just tried to meet my students where they're at, whether it's moving again and starting a podcast or doing trainings and, and now we're here.
0: Oh, I love that. I think I love hearing about people's journeys because I think so many people myself included can totally relate to starting in so I think like you said, meditation is one of the limbs of yoga, right? So it's very closely connected with yoga. And so I think a lot of us have come to the idea of meditation, at least maybe in previous years through yoga. I think now meditation is talked about a lot more as its kind of own entity as well. But I first learned about it through yoga as well. And for me, when I first started doing yoga, it was when I was a teenager as well. And it was all about the physical. It, as well. And so really I was the person who I remember, like, as soon as I got into Shavasana, it was like, my mind was constantly going and I was like, when well, is this going to be over? I would never, I like, it's not my personality to walk out. Like for me, I would be like mortified to walk out. <laughs> That's, I would not be able to do that, but my mind was gone. Like my, my body was still there, but my mind was gone. So meditation was something that I just kind of decided wasn't for me for the longest time, because like I said before, it felt a lot like I was forcing my brain to shut down and that just didn't necessarily work for me. Um, But I've also for for me, I've struggled with um, anxiety for a long time, really my whole life. Um, And I think I just only really recognized it probably five or seven years ago that that's what I was struggling with or put a name to it. And meditation is something that has really helped me through that, but I never, but for you know years and years and years, I've been doing yoga for so long on and off, but it was always something I was like, well, that's just not, that part of it's just not really for me. And so I think a lot of people can probably relate to that, maybe trying out yoga, hearing about meditation, but maybe not connecting the two. So I would love to have you just sort of share in your training and now you're a mom yourself, why should we meditate? So what are some of the benefits of meditation, kind of specifically maybe for moms or the busy working woman who might be listening? What are, convince us to meditate. <laughs> yes, I would be happy to, especially, and
1: I I love having, like, there's so many wonderful, beautiful benefits to meditation. Um, but I I really just want to speak to the ones that are important for my fellow mamas out there because I never really, like, I loved meditation before I was a mom, and now I like desperately need meditation as a mom. And I think, so some of the biggest benefits for me is the way that meditation physically changes your brain. So I'm sure a lot of your listeners are familiar with this idea of neuroplasticity, right? Our brain changes over time. It's a living, breathing thing. It's like a muscle. It can change. It can get stronger in some areas, weaker in other areas. Different pathways can change and evolve. And meditation is very much like lifting weights for your brain. So what happens over time, there's some really interesting work coming out of Boston um, and from a woman named Sarah Lazar. She has a really popular TED Talk about how meditation changes your brain. And what we know is over time, and this is, we also know that 10 minutes is enough. So I want to start with that. For my busy mamas, when we're like, I don't have half an hour, I don't have 60 minutes, me either, girl. So I am not meditating for an hour. I don't have that time. 10 minutes is enough to get the benefits I'm about to speak on. So over time, usually for about maybe eight weeks consistently meditating. What happens is the part of our brain called the amygdala, which is kind of the drama queen center of our brain. Um, It's responsible for the fight or flight response, for anxiety, pain, and fear. So when we are walking around every day and we're experiencing anxiety, what's happening is we are always in that light activation of fight or flight. And the amygdala is the one that is triggering that response. Over time, what happens is when we meditate, the amygdala starts to deactivate and become Less active. And then the prefrontal cortex, which is like the part of the brain, if you were to do like a face kind of palm, like your forehead region, that is the part that has to do with like emotion regulation, higher cognitive function, focus, concentration. That part gets activated and becomes stronger. So, what happens over time is the part of our brain responsible for pain, worry, and anxiety gets smaller and less active, actually reducing the physiological um, anxiety responses and pain and worry responses we have, which I think almost every mom, there's something about like once that human exits your body, your capacity to experience worry, fear, and anxiety seems to like multiply by a million. That actually gets smaller and less strong. You have smaller physiological anxiety, pain, stress, and worry responses, and your ability to focus and concentrate and have better emotion regulation gets stronger. We get more neurological activity and strength in that area. So it's actually changing the makeup of our brains. We're having less anxiety, worry, and stress and more ability. And we all know what that, you know, mom brain mental fog feels like that, you know, juggling a thousand different plates. Our ability to just focus and concentrate and regulate our emotions. And I you know, I won't, you know, not lose our stuff. We'll say you'll know what I'm actually meaning, but not totally lose it. we have a greater capacity to not do that, which I think for me is one of the greatest benefits of meditation, as well as the ability to um, decrease our anxiety and depression, and also our rage. I think we talk a lot about, or are starting to talk about postpartum depression and anxiety. I don't think we talk about postpartum rage enough, and I don't know if it's because it's like this thing that still feels a little bit taboo, but it's a real thing that a lot of women experience that just rage, And, and meditation has a way of decreasing postpartum anxiety depression and rage which i think is you know wonderful
0: oh my gosh yes I loved that explanation. Oh my goodness, that was <laughs> and way there's so than many.
1: Oh, oh, there's good. So and there's so many benefits. Yeah, so many. And I think just the overall. The other one that I'll touch on that isn't. Although I, I know you love some good science too. You know how it changes our brain, but I think emotionally speaking, people who meditate tend to have more self-compassion and speak kinder to themselves and have mm-hmm. a more positive outlook. Which you know, I joke. Our babies, you know, leave our bodies one way or another, and then all of a sudden we have this capacity to worry and have fear and stress. But I think we also, our capacity to be hard on ourselves and to have guilt also increases so much as well. And I'm not quite sure what that's about. I haven't quite figured that out for myself yet, but I know it's a real thing. And so for me, meditating and and being able to slow down and stop for a few minutes and like check in really helps me to be an observer of what's happening within me and in my heart. And that is something that I think is so powerful, especially for moms. We can be so hard on ourselves. We always feel like we're not doing enough. We feel guilty for every little thing, like we're not showing up for our kids in the way that we should. And for me, taking that time to meditate is a way to kind of come back to you know, that homeostasis, come back to that center, And being able to challenge things like, is this, you know, as my therapist would say, is this a thought or is this a truth? And I have a lot of thoughts during the day, but many of those thoughts aren't truths. And I think a few minutes of introspection is so wonderful for moms like me that really struggle with that.
0: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I think a lot of I've thought about this so much because mom guilt is so prevalent and it's. You know, very true for me, too, right? I know even just yesterday, um my I had a ton of recipe testing to do for a project that was coming up. And I, you know, did one recipe with my daughter, and we spent some time together, and we read, but she was home during the day, and I just had to do it because the rest of the week is going to be rainy and I can't photograph. And so I was sort of going, Okay, I, I literally felt this like, do I do this thing that I have a deadline for that I have to do? Or do I hang out with my kiddo? And I'm like trying to split my time. And it was this as the whole time I was doing these recipes. I'm like, I love what I do, I love my job. But I'm like, she's over there, she's hanging out, she's sitting with me, she's playing on the floor, she was on the tablet for a while. We're we're there, but I still felt this overwhelming guilt. And I'm like, okay, this isn't I This can't be I need to figure out how to manage this. It's a once in a while thing. But so I actually I'm really glad you brought this up because this is so this literally was yesterday. And so this is very prevalent in my life. And I think a lot of it comes from us feeling like as soon as that baby comes out of us, we are fully responsible for them. Obviously, if we have a partner that helps us, you know, as well, we're not, we're not fully responsible for them. But I think this responsibility of I birthed this human, I grew this human, I birthed this human in whatever way we birthed that human um, and, or maybe, or we adopted in whatever way they are ours and they are our responsibility. And so I think it can be, it can be so overwhelming to feel so entirely responsible for this other human, for raising them, for raising them as good people, for keeping them healthy all of these things. And I think in that, oftentimes what I see, especially you know, talking to so many guests on the podcast and talking to so many women in the community, I think sometimes we take that responsibility and we turn it into guilt. And we don't take the time that we need for ourselves to learn how to regulate our own emotions or take care of ourselves because we feel that pressure. And I'm speaking for myself and also you know the women that I've talked to. I think we feel the pressure to take care of them so much that we forget how important it is to take care of ourselves with things like meditation so that we can show up for them in a way that is more calm and centered and less worried and less anxious. And I I don't think there's any cure for mom guilt or anxiety, but I do think that, or I mean, there is for anxiety. I should say mom worry. (laughs) There's a lot we can do for anxiety. I shouldn't say that. but for for like the mom guilt and the worry that just sort of comes along with the like responsibility of raising this human and wanting to raise them well. I think it's a signal that you're a good mom, too. Like if you have you care so deeply about your kiddo that you are feeling guilty when you're not spending time with them or whatever it might be. That was my <laughs> that was my truth yesterday. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so I just, um, now I'm just going on a tangent, but I do think a lot of it comes from feeling that like really deep responsibility and it comes from a place of love and care. But then I think sometimes we end up forgetting that we need to do those things to take care of ourselves for that.
1: Absolutely. And I don't even think this is a tangent because I think this even this conversation is so important for moms to hear. I mean, even just like from one mom to another. And I'm currently at a stage, my little guy is one. We just call him, as you know, we call him baby pork chop on the podcast. <laughs> um, but pork chop is is one. And so I'm at a stage in life where a lot of my friends are having children. You know, everyone's kind of in the in the baby boom right now. And This is something that we talk about a lot and I think there's so much shame around like mom guilt or we are all carrying this around or so many, I shouldn't say all, so many of us carry this around and it's a very, very real thing and if you're feeling that, one, you're not alone. Like I feel it too, especially and I, I think no matter what your circumstances are, like I mean, I, you know, obviously I work, um, and I've been feeling a lot of mom guilt around. I lead a lot of meditation retreats and I'm heading out on one at the end of the month and I'll be gone for about a week. And that's the longest I've ever left pork chop. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of mom guilt about, you know, going to leave for a week for this work trip and, you know, to go have a meditation retreat and, you know, I it's something that I'm working through, but I think whether you are a mom who works, whether you're a mom who stays at home, whether you're a mom who does a hybrid or whatever it is, you do carry this guilt. And I think there's something, like you said, it comes from love, but at least for me, it also comes from this idea of like, well, I'm his mom. And like, there's such a, a weight and an importance and this responsibility that we place on ourselves as like... You know, and and I think you said it so beautifully, like it doesn't matter how you became mom, whether that was, you know, biological mom or adopting or surrogate. however you became mom, you're now mom to this human or humans. And I think we take so much responsibility on and we care so much about that and we want to do the best for our children. But I think sometimes we can let that, you know, it's all about. Balance in a way, and not letting the pendulum totally swing to the other side where it's like you just get gobbled up by this mom guilt and where it's, it becomes hard to function, or you're not allowing yourself to live or ever care for yourself or fill your own cup, even on a small micro level. I'm not talking about a full blown meditation retreat, but like just, you know, 10 minutes to stop and be still and meditate, like because we feel like it's selfish or we feel like we're taking away from our children or, you know, that that we're not being the best mom we possibly can be. And a friend of mine recently told me when I had a very similar conversation with her, and I felt very bad for leaving my son at like the play lounge, I was doing like a bar class. And he was upset. And then I came back, he obviously had been upset while I was gone. And and I was like, I don't know how you do this. Like, I felt so bad. I was just next door, you know, sculpting my butt cheeks. And my kid was crying for me. And she was like, you know, I think it's really important that we set a good example for our children that our care is important too, and that moving our bodies is important. Taking a few minutes to meditate, like we can use these as opportunities to teach our children about the importance of self-care and like emotion regulation and introspection, and that we don't have to feel like us doing that for ourselves is somehow taking away from our children. It might actually be adding value to their lives by not only modeling this, but A well-cared-for mom makes for a well-cared-for child.
0: hundred percent. Oh my gosh. I, I can notice a direct relation to me not taking care of myself. And I've talked about this a lot on the podcast, but specifically my mornings, like my morning routine is what centers me for the day. And whenever I don't get in, and for me right now, my routine is literally just Whoops. <laughs> it's literally just, I have a green juice and um, it is a powdered green juice. It so is nothing fancy. I am not like juicing cucumbers and anything like that first thing in the morning, just so me everyone either. is clear. That's just what <laughs> feels good for me. I have my green juice. I sit down and just cause I like to have water right away. And that's just, that's my current choice. And uh, I do a 10 minute meditation and then I journal. And if I just get those three things done together, take me 25 minutes. But if I don't, And if I, I mean, sometimes I have to sleep in because my body needs it. And I think that's totally great. But if I snooze too much and, you know, maybe start on some work or something like that first thing in the morning, instead of doing my meditation and journaling, then I am not the mom I want to be. I'm not, I know that I will snap at my kids when and I'll have to apologize. And we're talking, you know, this is like 7 a.m. And it's like, get your socks on. And I'm like, whoa, where did that come from? Talk about rage. And I can directly <laughs> link it back to not those little moments of taking care of myself, I think matter way more than I realize until I don't do them. And so, and that's just been my personal as, being someone who has struggled with anxiety Um, and, and just really overall, like emotional regulation, that's something that has just made such a huge difference. And I'm really glad that you mentioned earlier that it it's, oh, it's just, wow. I lost my, I lost my words there for a second.
1: (laughs) It's because all the, you know, it's all the,
0: the goodness happening right now. Yes. So I'm really glad that you mentioned earlier that we really only need 10 minutes and that the studies say that we really only need 10 minutes because I think there are so many studies out there now on meditation or coming out on meditation and it's everywhere from like five minutes to hours a day. And as busy moms... I don't think any of us have hours a day to meditate. (laughs) I mean, do you. But if you've got (laughs) hours a day to meditate, awesome. But I do not have hours a day to meditate. So is 10 minutes sort of that sweet spot for the people that you work with? And when is sort of like the best time of the day to meditate? Is there a best time of the day to meditate?
1: So the best time to meditate is the time you're most likely to stick to. Mm. Do not feel like you need to get up in the morning, you know, and and Chris, I love hearing about your morning routine. I also love a good like powdered green juice. We can, you know, we can talk about the powdered green juice <laughs> later. <laughs> but I, many people enjoy meditating in the morning, especially moms, because sometimes our best bet is you, you just have to get up before your kids. And that's, you know, that's your shot at a little me time. And I get that. But if you are not a morning person and that does not sound enjoyable to you, don't do it. We don't want to make meditation feel like just another chore and another task. And I have to do this and I have to do that. Oh, and I have to make sure I get up 10 minutes earlier and get myself out of bed. Because that's also a recipe for some more shame and guilt. Because then when you don't do it, then you're like, oh, and I couldn't even bring myself to do my 10 minutes of meditation. That's just like. An invitation to start having some negative self-talk. So the best time to meditate is the time that you are most likely to stick to. I usually recommend, especially for moms, either the first 10 minutes of the day or the last 10 minutes of the day. Because, as we know, our day, as soon as the kids are awake to when they go to bed, it can be chaos the whole day. Mm -hmm. It can be one big chaotic mystery of what's going to happen. But hopefully at some point you go to bed at night. And if we're lucky, we wake up in the morning. And so that might be the only consistent thing in your whole day. So syncing up your meditation to that one constant of bedtime, whether it's setting the alarm 10 minutes early. And I do recommend you get out of bed to meditate so that you don't fall back asleep. That's just my, you know, tired mom pro tip. Get, you know, out of bed or at least sit up in bed or 10 minutes at the end of the day to quiet the mind before you sleep. I think that's incredibly beneficial for my mamas out there, where it's like your brain is still that hamster running on the wheel and you're trying to go to sleep and you're thinking about you know all the different things that invisible work, that mental load we all take on as mothers that just, you can't see it because it's just going on in our minds. And the last 10 minutes of the day can be a great way to turn the volume down on the mind before you go to sleep. So I usually recommend first 10 or last 10, But really, if there's a time that's more convenient for you that you're likely to stick to, that sounds good. That's the perfect time. And actually, studies say even eight minutes is enough. So if someone's like, oh, I don't know. I usually say 10 minutes because they say on average eight to 12 minutes seems to be the minimum. So I land on 10 minutes. Um, But I, you know, I'm a big believer in. Meditation is such a personal practice and we're working with our own mind, our own internal chemistry. So you need to do what works for you. If your sweet spot is, my sweet spot tends to be kind of between 12 to 15 minutes for me personally. For some people, it's eight minutes. For some people, it's 20 minutes. For some people, it's a different length of time. You just, I like to empower my students to play with their practice until they find what feels good and then that's it. It's your practice. So you get to design it.
0: Mm. Oh, I love that. I'm so glad that you reminded them too that like my routine doesn't need to be their routine. Your routine doesn't need to be their routine. It's when we're going to stick with it. So for me, that first thing in the morning works, but I know that my husband is not a morning person. We had a sleep expert on the podcast a few weeks ago. And uh, we we literally discussed me and my husband's different sleep styles <laughs> because he stays up late and sleeps in. That's just his natural sleep style. So for him, morning meditation does not work. He just, he will not work. And he's tried for a number of years to make it work. And then he realized if he meditates in the afternoon or in the, he works from home. So most of the time that's possible for him or in the evening, that's what works for him. And for me, I find it difficult to get into a routine of meditation in the evening. And so for me, I found that morning time. And then, like I mentioned at the beginning, I also have loved if either if I miss in the morning or if I just need that centering in the middle of the day and I'm able to go for a walk. And I used to do this with my daughter, my four-year-old, because she's teeny tiny and she still fits in a little stroller. I'll push her around and have headphones in and she just like looks around. And usually when we go on walk, she's not super interested in chatting. If she was, that'd be a little bit different. Usually she likes to look around, but I'll pop my, my headphones in and I'll listen to Kelly and I'll go on a walking meditation <laughs> in the middle of the day. So I do think that it is... It really, I mean, I 100% agree with you. It's it's when is it going to work for you, and when are you going to be able to stick with it? Um, because yeah, I think just once you get into that day, for me, if I miss it in the morning, it's just not going to happen. But so you know, the the nighttime as well. If mornings aren't your time, that makes sense too. So I love that. Yeah,
1: yeah, good. And I, I'm glad that that resonated because I think especially as moms, like it can be really hard to find the time in general. And so I I think that just like, just going a little easier on yourself and just doing the time that feels right. Like for me, a lot of times, the perfect time we have part-time childcare. So on the days that like our nanny is here, it's best for me to like those, that little bit of time, like I've handed my little guy off to her. I'm going downstairs to work. And then I meditate for a little bit of time to clear my mind before I dive into my workspace, which usually ends up being like 830-ish in the morning. And that's just what works best for me right now. And, and it's okay. Like I feel like when you're building any new habit, like the best, just you have to do it in a way that will seem enjoyable and not like just another chore or like another thing we have to do.
0: Yes. Yeah. And I think the more we are consistent with it, the the more we want to do it, the more we crave it because we feel good and then it doesn't feel so difficult. Right. And so I think making it, like you said, making it kind of as Easy as possible, you know, making it work for us and for our lives is what's going to help it to stick. Yeah. So- yeah, absolutely. What other tips do you have for moms who are new to starting a meditation practice? So like, what do we need to know about meditation? Are there, you know, things that we should do or shouldn't do beforehand? I know you mentioned getting up out of bed or at least sitting up in bed if we're going to do it in the morning. Um, Just give us kind of like, if you haven't meditated before, this is what we need to know before.
1: Sure. That's a great question. I don't know if anyone's ever asked me that question before.
0: I really like that one. Um,
1: So I think that... So I'll just kind of debunk some of the most common uh, meditation myths and also some of the common meditation pitfalls for those that are new to the practice. The first one is I think a lot of people aren't sure, like, what style, like, they know they want to meditate, but they aren't quite sure, like, what style of meditation. Or they heard a different style, so they don't necessarily know what that, you know, what that means. And I always say finding your style meditation is kind of like finding your style of jeans. Like you need to go try on some different styles and figure out like, do you like a high rise? Do you like a skinny leg? Do you like a boot cut? Like what kind you know, a light wash, a dark wash. And you kind of just have to try on some different styles until you find the one that like that feels good. That feels like the right fit. And I do recommend that if people are just starting, guided meditations are a great place to start. And that's, you know, as you have so kindly already plugged a few times, my podcast is pretty much, for the most part, all guided meditations. And they're all less than 20 minutes. And each one is a little bit of a different style. So there are like some walking meditations, some breath meditations, ones where you use a lot of visualization and they all have different topics. And I design it that way on purpose because I want my podcast to kind of be this like, I don't know, just like this little like buffet of different styles and topics of meditation. So people can take what works for them, leave what doesn't, and also try some new things. Maybe they really love a walkie meditation, but then they see the new episode is a, um, you know, a loving-kindness meditation. Maybe they give that a try and they can be like, oh, that really resonates with me. So I find guided meditations is a great place to start to try a lot of different things. Um, definitely, I would say I get asked a lot about the position to meditate in. People will say, oh, I can't like sit crisscross applesauce on the floor and you don't need to you can be in any position whether that's sitting in a chair it could be lying down but I do just recommend if you think you're going to fall asleep maybe not lying down Um, anything as long as the spine is long you can breathe without anything getting in the way restricting your diaphragm and you can relax enough that you can release the physical body but not so relaxed you're going to sleep you can meditate there, you can meditate in your car, you know, well, obviously not driving. If you're parked waiting in the pickup line and you're just sitting there, you can take a few minutes there. The other thing is what I hear probably more often than anything else is when people hear what I do, they're like, oh, that's so great, but I could never meditate. Like my mind is so busy. I'm so like ADD. And, like, I actually have pretty uh, intense ADHD and dyslexia um, from childhood. But when people tell me, you know, oh, my mind's so busy I can never meditate, I always say, like, well, that's kind of like saying, like, you're too dirty to take a shower. Like, how are you going to remedy that that problem? And I think that there's this idea that meditation is somehow we, like, just our brains are a light switch. And we're just going to turn our minds off. And then there's going to be, like, nothingness. And that's not what meditation is. And meditation, a big part of meditation practice is the distractions. It is the mind wandering. It is the intrusive thoughts. And what we're trying to do is every time we get distracted, which might happen a hundred times in an eight minute sitting, you might, you know, find that every one to two seconds you get distracted and that's okay. But I like to tell people, remember the three R's, which is recognize, release, return. So just recognize you're distracted, just release it. There's no judgment. You're just like, oh, I'm thinking about my grocery list again. Just, you know, set that aside and then return to your point of concentration. And you might have to do this like a hundred times. And what we're working towards is not just like turning the brain off for nothingness. But over time, what you'll find is maybe instead of every one second or every two seconds, you get distracted. Maybe it's every four seconds or every five seconds. And you start to extend the time in between distractions. But distractions are an essential part of the practice because if there are no distractions, there'd be no point in meditating. We'd just be walking around like in this Zen state all the time. And there would be no training of the mind if there it's. Like the distractions are like the weights or the resistance bands that you use to create strength in the body. Distractions are like that, but for the mind. And so it's okay if you get distracted or your brain is really busy. Um, You know, mine is too. I've been doing this for years. I still get distracted all the time. I still think about what I'm going to get at Trader Joe's when I should be meditating. That's all right. And I think that that's one of the biggest things is just like, if you're like, oh, I could never do that. My mind's just so busy. Um, the only, you know, this is one of the best ways to have a little bit less of kind of that squirrelier or like hamster wheel mind is through meditation. And it's really not as serious as you think. It's really like a way smaller deal and not, you know, just no pressure. You just are really kind of like lifting weights and training for your mind. And that's it.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that so much freedom in realizing that distractions are part of the process and that yeah. they're or part of the practice really is what you said. They are part of the practice and they're important and it is training our brain. I love that so much because that, you know, that, like I mentioned before, that person you described is exactly who I was for so many years. I did a ton of yoga, but was always like, no, I can't meditate. I just can't. I just can't stop my brain. Monkey mind. It's just not going to happen. But you know, here I am in a pretty consistent meditation practice. I mean, there are seasons where I'm not as consistent as others, but I've been pretty consistent with it. And it really is just 10 minutes a day. And it's because I found the time that works for me. And I found the type of meditation that works for me. And, and for me, it is guided meditation. That is just, you know, the, the best way for me to focus on the meditation and bring my, my mind back. I'll do little breathing exercises from time to time for a couple of minutes, but that is more difficult for me. And I just, I like the guided meditation. So I love that you, you know, explained that there are, I love, um, I love the gene analogy, too. <laughs> and you've got to find your perfect style of meditation. Or maybe there's a couple different styles that you like and that you you know kind of go between. Um, but, yeah, I, I think a guided meditation feels um, almost less intimidating, too, than just sitting. And, I mean, I think I used to imagine it as just, like, sitting – in like the cross-legged position, just going om, <laughs> and that that there's so much more to it than that. I mean, you if that's what you want to use as your mantra, that's great. But for me, I needed something a little bit more guided. Um, so I love that, you know, finding what really, what fits for us, finding our best fit for meditation and that distractions are a part of it and it is training. They're an important part. Like
1: I always tell people, I just, I recently ran a small group, like a meditation accelerator. We talked a lot about distractions as we were sitting longer and it's almost like welcome the distractions in. It's like if you're, you know, training for, um, you know, you're going to do some kind of like a big hike or climbing a mountain, right? Like you don't get mad at the mountain because it, is causing resistance in your body and is making it challenging, right? You try to train your body to kind of be able to climb the mountain. And in like distractions are very much like that. Like, don't get mad at the distractions of like, oh, you know, shopping list, how dare you pop into my mind? Like, that's the mountain that then you can just train your body to be able to handle and to be able to climb. And it's important that we have that. So like welcome the distractions because that's where you're going to get stronger.
0: Mm, yes. Yeah. And I can attest that the distractions depending on the day, but oftentimes they are less and less. The the more that I am in a meditation practice, there are certain days where it's just a crazy day for my mind. and And that's the interesting part of it being a practice is some days I'm like, wow, I mean, That was pretty good, but I was distracted a ton. And there are some days where I'm like, wow, I really wasn't distracted at all. And it was a, um, you know, really beautiful, just 10 minutes in and out. I feel good and calm. But there are other days where I'm almost like fighting with myself and just trying to bring myself back, bring myself back. But overall, I think it is less the more that I practice.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I love that. And I think that's such a common experience, too, is that over time, very much like if you're training to climb that mountain, like over time, the more that you train, the easier that it gets because your body is getting stronger. And I think that's just a part of the process. And for me, calling it a practice as well reminds me that we're kind of practicing for like our everyday life. And I think of this with like yoga, too. Like if I can manage things and part of meditation and no one has to do this style if it you know if it's not their style of jean don't wear it but something that i work on with students sometimes is being able to sit with the uncomfortable whether that be sitting with um you know not trying to like create more anxiety in your body but like sitting with your anxiety and being able to continue to breathe, and to try to not just automatically, like, shut it off, goodbye, done, but Mm -hmm. to try to sit with it because we're practicing in kind of this safe space within our meditation. So then when it comes up in our everyday life, we have kind of this, like, practice, and then it's easier to manage in our everyday life. Or, like, if we sit with frustration is when I've had to sit with a lot since becoming a mom. Mm -hmm. Um, It very well could just be my own um, child. Baby pork chop seems to be, like, just— really like exemplary at um, being a little handful, a sweet little (laughs) demon I sometimes call him. But so frustration is something that I've really had to, that I sit with in my meditation and sit with my frustration and breathe through it, like stay present through it, just like sit with that feeling because then when I'm experiencing it with him – It becomes so much more manageable, and I've found that it helps me to have a lot more compassion and empathy for him because a lot of times it's, you know, again, he's one, so maybe he's struggling to communicate. Mm -hmm. And so then he is doing something, you know, trying to communicate That then I'm either, you know, that causes frustration in me, whether it's, you know, the whining or wanting to be held all the time or things that just bring up some frustration for me. And being able to sit with it in my meditation practice makes it easier for me to be able to sit with it in my everyday life because unpleasant things is a part of the human experience. Yeah. And sometimes we just have to learn to sit and be with it and to move through it. And, you know, that's something that. I sometimes work with my students on is sitting with some of those less comfortable things Mm. so that then we can practice in our meditation. So it becomes easier when we actually apply it in everyday life.
0: Oh, I love that. I can see that being so helpful in so many different ways because I mean, I know there are so many ups and downs and emotions with motherhood. And it seems like some days I feel like you know, everything just seems to be going well. And I'm like, wow, I feel like super balanced. I feel, you know, and I'm talking just emotionally in this case, but it's true in every area too. But I'm like, oh, I feel pretty balanced. I'm not, you know, reactionary or anything It's sort of good. And then there are other days where I'm like very frustrated because I've got two kiddos and, uh, they are both, um, Adorable little drama queens, and <laughs> they're four and eight at this point. Which are any of the mamas listening? Um, yeah, they they're dramatic ages for girls, and I'm sure it's not going to get it's not going to get any easier. <laughs> and so there are there are often, often days of frustration for me too. And so I love that we can connect that back to learning how to sit with those feelings, and so that when we are in those in those situations of frustration, we can come back to okay, I've I've sat with this before, and maybe I can you know react in a little bit more of a calm way or more of a way that I want to um, within that frustration. And yeah, I love that. Okay, so I'm wondering, and this might be like a huge question, but I'm wondering if there are any specific meditations, you know, meditations of yours that you recommend for the mom listening who might just be starting out or maybe fell off of a practice and kind of wants to hop back in. Do you have any favorites or ones where you're like, this is probably a good one to start with? Hmm. That is a hard one to answer because I, and and
1: since you listen to the podcast, you've probably heard me talk about this before, but th- so when I like go through the process of like writing a meditation, to me, like all of them are so special to me yeah. and like, and the process that I go through of writing them, and I I've spoken about this before on my show, but like it's, it's been a journey for me to be able to share these meditations because to me, it feels like I'm sharing almost like, and maybe this sounds silly, but like a little piece of like my soul. There's mm-hmm. something that feels so vulnerable to me about writing a meditation practice around some kind of a topic and then putting it out there for anyone to listen to. It's almost like it feels kind of like someone's like reading my diary in a way. Mm-hmm. And, and I've had to... um You know, shift my mindset around this a little bit, but it's hard for me to pick like a personal favorite because they all come from a a different place in my heart. And a lot of them come specifically from my practice and what I'm dealing Mm -hmm. with. Like chances are if you see a, you know, self-love meditation pop up or a frustration meditation pop up or a dealing with challenging people meditation pop up. I probably either currently am or recently worked through something like that Mm -hmm. in my life, worked with it a lot in my own personal practice, and then packaged it up in a podcast episode for other people to work with it. So I don't know if I necessarily can pick a favorite because they're all just little pieces of like my soul. But I will say that one of my favorite things to do if someone's just starting or has fallen off the bandwagon. Um, is like go to the podcast feed and just do like a good scroll. Like don't even overthink it, just kind of look. And then if one pops up with you and it's like 10 minute anxiety meditation and you're like, you know, I think that's what I need. Just mm-hmm. click on that one, give it a whirl, you know, listen to it or, you know, and, and just really don't overthink it. I try to make it really clear, like in the title, what the meditation topic is, or if you're just scrolling, you're like, you know, I do want a self-love meditation or, or, oh, a walking meditation. Like You know, it's a nice day out. I should go outside. And I think that the one that kind of intrigues you is the best place to start. Mm. And again, I think it's about like having fun and doing what kind of speaks to you and what you need. And I think that. For many people, what I've heard is, you know, they they feel like because there's so many different topics that they can find what they're looking for, even if they didn't know they were looking for it. So mm-hmm. they might kind of scroll through and then be like, oh, you know, like a compassion meditation. Like that does sound really good to me right now. Mm-hmm. And then you can just listen to that one. Um, and that's usually where I, yeah, that's that's kind of what I recommend. Just scroll through. And then the one that jumps out at you, just click it and do it.
0: Mm. Oh, I like that because you do have so many different topics on the podcast, which is awesome because there really is something for pretty much anything we're going through. And that's typically what I do to this day is I just go and I go through and I'm like, okay, that seems like what I need today. And it's more often than like way more often than not exactly what I need that day. And so it just sort of that, you know, trusting your intuition, this is what I need today, or this is what I'm going through right now. Um, and then I saved some of my favorites too. Um, you know, not, not to be, um, I don't know, not to call out a specific app versus another one, but there's one podcasting app where it's much easier. I find it's easier to save meditations or save podcasts than others. Um, and I usually save them and then I can go back to them. And, yes. and, so, and so there are certain ones that I'll go back to again and again. Like I said, the walking meditation, um, there's a gratitude meditation I like to do probably once a month. Um, I, I sort of tend to do that kind of the end of the month because I, I have a practice of sitting with sort of my um my goals and my intentions and things like that from the month before and then kind of looking at the month ahead. And that's usually the day I do a gratitude meditation. So I'll typically go back to the gratitude meditation. I think you have a couple meditations surround like surrounding gratitude but there's one i go back to i should link the ones that are some of the ones that i like i'll link some of the ones that i like if you don't want to choose your favorites i'll link a couple of my <laughs> favorites and then let them but first let them go through and just find what speaks to them find what they think there is going to serve them right away um but yeah I, I i do find that i do pretty much the same thing just what what do i need today or you know when all else fills there's a couple of my go-to's too
1: yeah i love that i love that Yeah.
0: Okay. So I want to just kind of open it up. And is there anything that you feel like we missed or anything you feel like you want to share with the woman listening? Any last pieces of wisdom or words of advice when it comes to starting or getting back into a meditation practice? Hmm. Okay. Let me sit with that one for a second. So I
1: don't know if this is like super meditation specific but it's something that i feel like so a couple of things i just want to share for my moms (laughs) because i know that is who's listening um one i guess this is more meditation specific i believe that one of the secrets to living a truly joyful and fulfilling life is living from your most authentic self your true self and again chris you've probably heard me talk about this on the podcast i feel very passionately about the true self and for me what that looks like is the part of us like just whatever you want to call it the soul the true self the highest self the divine within you get to pick the name for it it's that like spark that essence of who you are and i think that being able to access that space So not really having a difference between the true self that is within and the self that shows up in our day-to-day life, that that is one of the secrets to a truly just like beautiful, joyful, fulfilling life. This is just a theory I personally have. And for me, meditation, um, also yoga nidra, which, you know, we didn't dive into today. That's a whole nother, you know, wormhole to dive down. But you'll see some yoga nidra practices on the podcast. These practices are all designed to bring you to that true self space. And my hope is, and this is something I've, you know, really doubled down on and really appreciated ever since becoming a mother is being able to connect to this true self space is something that is so powerful for a few reasons. One, I imagine everyone listening knows what it feels like, you know, like unsolicited, like mom advice. Oh, yes. (laughs) That, That we all get, you know, just peppered with all day long. There's also a lot of really great information out there. There is no one way to raise your children. There's no right way to do this. There's no one right decision on anything. You just have to do what feels best from your gut For your family. And being able to have strengthened that bond with my true self through meditation, which very much can be just like 10 minutes of hanging out with your soul, getting to know this part of you, has made it easier for me to navigate uh, a lot of the noise Mm -hmm. and to make some of the decisions um, and to be able to bypass a lot of the noise and the judgment and to feel good in the decisions that I'm making that they are the best for me and my family. And I think that that's a really kind of a powerful, you know, byproduct of a meditation practice as a mother. I also think that as a woman, being able to, or as a human, however you like to identify, but for me identifying as a woman, being able to connect to my true self space and to be able to check in with what makes me happy what brings me joy what fills up that space that soul space for me has really helped me to in those moments of darkness moments of challenge moments of feeling like i'm losing myself in a way in motherhood yeah. is a wonderful tool for me to be able to return to that true self that that true north space and to check in and be able to almost like pull from like just the wells like the infinite like depth that is within that space and to tap into that has been one of my kind of like secret weapons I guess through navigating some of the challenges of motherhood and you know I can't exactly say why I feel pulled to share that right now but as I was reflecting on it I was like I just need to share this and I think part of it is just because it can be so easy to lose yourself in motherhood at times and to give everything to your children and to want to give everything to your children and that's beautiful and that's wonderful but we also need to i think be able to to check in with the self the true self and it can really help with a lot of the noise and a lot of the judgment or the well you know well-intentioned um people around and even just things online, right? And to me, that has been one of the kind of just motherhood secret weapons that I feel like I've been able to tap into as
0: I navigate this. So I I just feel like sharing that. Yeah. No, I love that. And I agree with that so much. I think it is so easy as moms to lose ourselves in motherhood, just like you said. And we don't want to wake up one day, you know, however many years it is until our kids go off to college and all of a sudden our kids are, you know, in college or off on their own or whatever, empty nest. And then we're like, I don't know who I am anymore. And I've just spent the last 18 years devoted so entirely to my kids that I am completely lost. We want to be able to show our kids who we are throughout that journey and show up again as the best version of ourselves or as good a version of ourselves as we can give them that moment Yes, <laughs> throughout motherhood. Yes. And so being able to continue to tap into that and to remind ourselves of who we are in motherhood, I think is only going to benefit our kids too, as well as ourselves. So I love that. I think mm-hmm. so
1: too. And I think it will empower your children and give them the You know, the power and the space to do the same for themselves and to stay connected to their true self and to find that true north. And at some point along the line, um, we just as humans start to lose that or, Mm -hmm. you know, we get, you know, opinions from other people or judgment or social media is telling us, you know, we should be one way. And I think one of the best gifts we can give our children is the courage and the space and the, um, you know, the what's the word I'm looking for? The um, I guess the permission to be their most beautiful and authentic selves. And I think there's no better way to give your children that permission than doing it yourself. When you do it for yourself, you're giving permission to the people around you to do the same.
0: Yes. Oh, I love that so much. Oh my goodness. What a perfect note to kind of start to wrap things up. <laughs> so I have some fun little rapid fire questions I love to do at the very end, um, which I want to do with you. But before I do, I always love to ask, where can my listeners connect with you? So share about your podcast. You actually have two podcasts now. Share about your podcasts and all of the resources you have on meditation for our mamas. Sure. So my main podcast is called Mindful in Minutes. It's
1: all short guided meditations. And then once or twice a month, I do a shorter freeform episode where I talk about whatever I feel like talking about. And then I have a spinoff, which is just a limited release. It's called Meditation Mama, and it is all prenatal meditation. So if anyone is currently expecting there's meditations that can help support you during your pregnancy, they're ones I use during my pregnancy. Um, So there is that. And then... My website is always a good place to start, yogafreeonline.com. There's some free resources, like a free seven-day meditation challenge, morning ritual builder, different things. And then if you want to speak to me directly, I answer my DMs on Instagram. Uh, my handle is at Online, So you can always just send me a message if you have questions about any of this um, or want like any guidance. I answer my DMs. So you can always, you know, catch up with me over
0: there. Awesome! Oh, my gosh. And as the listeners probably have probably realized from me mentioning it over and over again, um, I absolutely love your podcast. Your meditations have made meditation possible for me when I was like, okay, I really want to make this a practice again, but I feel like I don't have time. And like the 10 minutes, it truly is enough. And you have such a huge variety of guided meditations. It has really made meditation a practice in my life. So I am so grateful for you. That you don't even know how much that
1: means to me to hear. So I appreciate you sharing that. Absolutely.
0: Okay, a few fun rapid fire questions before right. we, we officially wrap up. So first one, coffee or tea? Coffee. I love coffee.
1: Always. <laughs> I coffee or... in the morning, herbal tea in the evening. That's what I do. Yes, perfect. <laughs> okay,
0: podcast or book? Podcast. That's, That's a hard one. Hard one. Yeah. <laughs> what did you eat for breakfast this morning? Oatmeal. Oh, so good. With berries. (laughs) Got to put the berries on it. Got to get a little bit of that fruit. (laughs) Yeah. What is your first choice if you are ordering takeout?
1: Don't have, whatever I'm craving. Whatever the true self wants, the
0: true self gets. I love it. It applies to my stomach. (laughs) Are you an early bird or a night owl? Early bird. Me too. And last but not least, because it is the Healthy Balance Mama podcast, and I think we've talked a lot about balance so far, but what does balance mean to you in this season? Balance
1: to me means trying your best with what you have and accepting and being content with that. Mm -hmm. I think true balance doesn't totally exist. I think it's a little bit of a myth. But I think finding contentment in the fact and knowing that you're just trying your best with what you have— and that that is enough.
0: Yes. Oh, I love that. Oh my goodness. Kelly, this has been so fantastic. Thank you so, so much for sharing with us, for demystifying meditation and making meditation truly feel possible for the mamas listening and really giving us all we need to know. So I, I don't think there's there are no excuses for the moms listening now. They've got to go. They've got to try one of your meditations and uh, and hopefully hopefully make it a practice.
1: Yes, I hope so. I really appreciate you having me on and getting to share my love of meditation with you and everyone listening. Absolutely.
0: Thank you for listening to my podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. If you loved it, would you take a screenshot and share it with a friend over on Instagram and tag me in it? It helps me so much to know what you love and are taking away from each episode. If you really loved it, would you hop over to iTunes and give me a star rating and review? Every rating and review helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear the message of balance and wellness without deprivation. It's the best free gift you could give me. And as a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are meant for education and inspiration only and are not to be taken as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult with a trusted practitioner before making any changes. Have a beautiful day, friend, and I'll see you in the next episode.